This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Good evening. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wim Barton, Manchester United writer. I'm joined by a new panel. In my notes, it always has Manchester United legend Paul Parker. And actually, for full discretion, my notes say joined by the United legend Paul Parker to talk over another difficult week at Manchester United. I just never changed it throughout the season. Um, but yeah, so obviously you can see Paul Parker's not with me tonight. Uh, he's got a few weeks off, um, still recovering from last season and under strict orders to not talk about transfers. So Kyle, um, I'm joined by Kyle Harry and Andrew here um, making their debuts on the podcast. And I thought it'd be a good opportunity to give an introduction to everyone. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube live, or Facebook, in fact, feel free to get your questions and comments in. If you're watching the replay, say hello. Do feel free to comment because we do reply after the um, show's gone live as well. Please like and subscribe as well when you're watching. And if you um, are listening back on the audio platform, please feel free to give us um, a review on the platform you're listening on because we always appreciate that. I read them to all the former players. as um, Send them voice notes of the nice reviews that we get and um, tell they're nothing about the bad reviews we get. All right, so here we go. Let's do an introduction for everyone. I'll come around the, um, we'll do clockwise on the table. Um, so we'll go to Harry first. Harry, um, your first appearance on the podcast, obviously that's the same for everyone. Um, tell tell our listeners and viewers a little bit more about yourself. Uh, yeah, so just keep it kind of brief as possible. So I've basically been going to Old Trafford for the last 20 years. Uh, had a season ticket in the Stratford End for the last eight or so years, um, followed United everywhere. So throughout Europe, Bernabeu, you know, New Camp, we're in Stockholm for the finals, kind of done done it all um, pretty much with them. And um, towards the end of last season, I just me and a few of our friends um, kind of got together, we we're having a chat. Um, we just thought we you know, wanted to have a voice on, on Twitter and the platforms for fans that, you know, go every day kind of week in week out to to the games and post kind of our experiences of what it's like to be a match day fan and and the kind of um you know opinions that we have and, and you know the grumbles that, that we kind of have because there's quite a few people out there um because of where they're based 
you know, whether it be in the UK or overseas, can't get to games, aren't actually match-going fans. So, so that's why we uh, decided to get together and start up a page on on Twitter. So we're new to the social media scene, but um, kind of been going to watch United home and away for, for a very long time. Yeah, um, that's the same for all of us. Um, Andrew, we'll come to you next. Um, obviously, you'll be known colloquially in circles as tough day. You've a long association with Stretford End flags. A lot of people watching and listening will already be familiar with you. But for those who aren't, um, give us um, a, a nice introduction about yourself. Yeah, so uh, good to be on the show. I, I've supported United pretty much all my life. Started first game I went to was back in 1984. So before the Fergie era, the, the sort of Ron Atkinson sides are the ones who I sort of got into United with, really, winning the odd FA Cup, disappointing in the league over the years and mixed match of where we'd finish, where we'd end up. You know, a lot of optimism at the time of could we challenge Liverpool in particular. And then through the Fergie era, you know, I, I got a season ticket, used to have a league match ticket, but, they, but got first season ticket was 1996. And that's so I've just, last year was the first year when I'm a little plaques on your seat telling you you've had it for 25 years so a little bit like Harry um, I tend to go to as many away games and home games and European games as I can probably don't do as many European games these last couple of years because of Covid and various other things like that um, and as you mentioned Wayne got involved with Stretford and Flags when it was set up as a, a sort of recognised group back in 2005 just to just to really make sure that the fans had the same, the banners, what went up on, what you see going around Old Trafford. And, you know, they're, they're quite unique um, in terms of what the club allows to go up because, you know, most clubs, it's, it's a key advertising revenue space. They don't give that, you know, they don't give that bit across the tiers over for flags or anything of that nature. You tend to think, you know, it's, it's the adverts. And then that was something we were keen to maintain, keen to put the sort of traditions of Manchester United and the players up there. But, more so for, for the fans to have the say of, of what gets made and where the designs come from and stuff like that. So it doesn't matter where you you know where you're from, you you can have a bit of an input on that and help fund it. And you know the the fans tend to like it that way. You, you'll see fans in other countries or other parts of the world where the passions are and they're like, you know, I've put ten pound in towards that banner or I've put five pound in or I come up with some of the design on it. So that's where we get a bit of involvement with the, the club on um, in doing that. And over the years, particularly on some of the European Cup semi-finals, for example, we, we've done the mosaics in the seat where, you know, the fans hold up the cards and we, we spell out. So, you know, a lot of people remember the one from Barcelona in, um, what year was that, mate? 2008 when we first done that one. And that, we put on the Believe mosaic for that, and which is the first time one had been done at Old Trafford. Um, and we've done it over the years. We've been asked to do it for some of the players' testimonials. We've done Rooney, Scholes, Rio Ferdinand's, you know, Gary Neville's on that one. And then the other sort of thing I get involved in as well is I manage the Manchester United supporters team. So anyone can come along who fancies a game of football on a, on a Saturday morning. The, the idea of the league we play in is you're meant to play your opposition. So if United are playing... City, for example, will play City supporters in the morning. If you're playing Watford, we'll, we'll play Watford before the game. doesn't quite work like that. Obviously, TV schedules, as you guys know, you know, trying to fit in Man United games and trying to against your own games when TV are moving you to Monday nights and half past 12 on a Saturday isn't always possible. But we, we've got a good core of lads. We, the team has been going since 96. 
Um, so it's quite a turnover of fans who've played over that period of time. And I say we've just been for, away for the weekend in Nottingham for um, a massive supporters tournament over there. So we, we had a great day yesterday. Both the Vets team and the Standard team didn't lose a game yesterday, topped our groups. Uh, but Vets went out today, so we got beat by Everton in the quarterfinals. And unfortunately, the main team got beat by by City in the in the semi-finals. But City went on to they beat RC Lons in the um, in the final of that. So it was quite a quite an international event, really. Just teams there, not just from the UK, but from France and other ways. So that, that's mainly my involvement, and obviously just going in and enjoying a bit of chat on Twitter about about Manchester United. Yeah, um, I've seen oh, I've known you for a long time, and it can be a bit of a thankless task sometimes for you arranging the banners the democratic process that goes into it and having to sort of deal with like a million different things and when you know obviously people will always have their choices and yeah I have a lot of respect for you for for the organization that goes into that I can barely organize my own diary to be honest um oh so it brings us to kyle last but definitely not least uh, people might remember kyle and i starting off on podcasts together like i said over a decade ago um kyle um for the people who aren't aware of you tell tell our viewers and listeners some some little morsels of information about the legend that is kyle diller yeah it's been a long time uh wayne and i have known each other going way way back uh we reconnected or not reconnected but saw each other for the first time and over a decade, about three weeks ago, and he talked me into doing this. So I, I'm I'm back. <laughs> it's uh no, it's it's great to be back though. Um, I do not make it to Old Trafford as much as everyone else who has already introduced themselves. Uh, as you can tell, I'm uh, from the United States. Uh, I live in Chicago, so I don't make it anywhere near as much as I would I would like to. But um, no, I I'm involved. Uh, I was involved with the U.S. Supporters Club uh, over here for a long time. I've been a United fan for. Oh, God, 20 years now, I guess I am in my 30s, so it, it feels like a really long time. Um, no, I I, I, uh, I have family over in England. I just got back, actually, from visiting my aunt over there. So uh, while I was over there visiting her as a kid, um, I got wrapped up in, uh, I guess we call it soccer, and uh, fell in love with United and and Beckham and Skulls and Giggs and, and that era of United and uh, and brought that passion back over to the States with me and, and kept following them over here, which was really, really hard back in the late nineties and, and early two thousands. They were not on TV um, anywhere near as much as they are now. A um, lot easier to follow now. Um, but yeah, so kept following them, got involved with the U S supporters club, helped them run um, their membership and social media for years and years um, in the uh, late two thousands, early 2010s. Um, and then did, uh, a blog and a podcast with Wayne back around that time too. Um, haven't, haven't been doing that for the last few years, but, uh, like I said, uh, we were in Manchester a couple weeks ago, um, had some drinks with Wayne and, uh, he talked me into doing this. So, uh, I figured now was a good time to get back involved. Um, I'm excited, uh, hopefully, um, for this new era of United and, and talking about that. So, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully a new era of United and, and getting to talk about that. So um, hopefully this is a good time to get back into it. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
Tell me about it. Um, so let's talk about Eric Tenog then. His first few weeks in charge, we don't really know anything. Um, as much as people like to profess from the one minute training videos that we've seen on Twitter and <laughs> look at the intensity and all that sort of stuff, um, we don't really know what's going on. We there, obviously there's lots of leaks going on. That my most favorite of all of the leaks so far was that Eric Tenog has um threatened to drop the players who leak the news, but that was obviously leaked. Yeah. Well. We can only presume it was ten og, unless someone's going to get dropped straight away. Um, but yeah, um, it's difficult to know really over the um, the the sort of last four or five weeks what conclusions we can draw, if any. Um, Andrew, I'll, I'll come to you first with this, and I think the one thing that I I am finding most reliable is that sort of the checklist that came out of you know. He, he said, um, he, I, I can't remember everything that was on it, but it was basically about, you know, like the coming into training early, you know, players will have to do this and that and everything. It seemed like he, he's putting a, a code of conduct there that um, I don't think we've really seen. I, I can't remember it with Van Gaal. I can't really remember it with Mourinho. Maybe things like that emerged over time, but I can't remember a manager coming in and sort of like saying they're putting this and this down, which when you look at the overall scheme of, what is inherited? I don't want to sound too optimistic, but it does sound like he's got um, a fair amount of control from day one, which is a really positive thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's there's almost a, a sort of Sir Alex Ferguson feel about it in terms of he's coming and he and he's laid down the law, and it's you know it's important, I think, from a manager to do that, not just in football, but you know, in any in any walk of life, you know, who you work within the a day-to-day business point of view as well. You know, you, you come in, your manager, you know, he's, he's your leader of your team, isn't he? And he, he's there to set what the tone is and what the standards are to be. And, you know, there's, there's certain ones that, you know, you, you, you've heard stories over the years, particularly the last three or four years, about, you know, certain players' diets and other players' diets and, you know, what's on the table in the canteen and are they allowed red sauce, are they allowed brown sauce? You know, it's, it's all of that nature. And he's come in and he's sort of jigged that up you know the, the the ones on arrival times. I, I don't from from what I've heard, there's never been any issues with like, or the you know we've got a bit of training at ten o'clock, but players are turning up at eleven o'clock. I don't think we've ever had a, yeah. any issues with that. But moving the training times is one of the, the key things I've seen. I think they, they now the players are in at nine o'clock in the morning rather than sort of ten and eleven o'clock. Yeah. Um, the last week or so they've been doing double sessions. You know they've been, they've been staying and they've been having the the dinner there and some of the ones that have gone home they've come back so there's been two sessions a day at the moment so it is quite intensified and it, and it and it's changed and it that's what's needed it's the whole cultural reset of manchester united which hopefully 10 hour can do um but as we all know it's not going to be an overnight something he can do overnight and it it's got to have a degree of patience from supporters on that as well we can't just keep going through a, a period of, of swapping and changing managers every time results aren't working for us no, yeah, um, that's a really key phrase, Ari. Um, Andrew talking about cultural reset. That's been a popular thing that people have been saying for, but all variations of that phrase for for a while. Um, yeah. It's clear that something of that nature has been needed. Um, what before? Obviously, we've seen a ball kicked. Um, what do you have any evaluation of what you? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, w- one thing that I've liked the most um, from Ten Hag is that he seemed really kind of self-assured 
in the way he's conducted himself um, since arriving. Uh, and when I say that, I mean kind of all the interviews that he's done. Um, also, you know, he came when he arrived at Carrington, kind of the first thing he did was to go around and get to know all of the staff in the kitchen, et cetera, et cetera. Those little tiny things are, are kind of, you know, remind me of, of Sir Alex and, and you know, the, the traits he had. Um, so very much like those. Um, heard some sound bites from MUTV of him saying that I want to play uh, a particular style of football. Uh, you know, I want to be creative and going forward. Um, when we don't have the ball, I want us to press. So he's saying all the right things. And, you know, as you said before, it's all rumours. But from what, you know, has been coming out of the club, um, he's been quite clear with the hierarchy in that he wants to have a handle of transfers going forward, which I think has been a major problem of ours over the last decade since Fergie has gone as to who has actually been buying the players and for the focus to be really successful on the pitch rather than being successful in other areas of the club like commercial rights, etc. So so that part is really, really promising. Um, the only points which are, are slight concerns is, I know you mentioned you know, this list which has come out. There's just a couple of things um, on there which uh, I know they, they make sense day to day as in you know, not having a gripe uh, you know, and kind of having a go at your agent if you're unhappy and coming straight to, to him. I think that's one of them. And I think he's made a point about the food and that all food needs to be um, prepared by by the club or something along those lines. Uh, and funnily enough, I saw on Scolzi's Instagram story, you know, he was like, I don't know what I'll do if I couldn't moan to my agent and, you know, have my own chef, that kind of thing. So that, you know, that, it's good to have that kind of structure that sometimes I feel, it, you know, structure without it being listed and, you know, written down um, in terms of rules, uh, kind of unwritten rules as such, you know, as, as just him commanding respect um, may have been enough. Um, and the only other concern, I know we're going to talk about transfers later, but he, he seems to be very obsessed with his ex-player Ajax. I mean, literally every single um, rumour is either a player he managed last season or a couple of seasons ago, um, which leads me to, to think, you know, what kind of scouting network he's got. Um, so just very, very happy initially, but obviously it's all talk at the moment, as we all know. Um, we'll have to see what he actually delivers. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. We will talk about the transfers, obviously, in a moment. So, yeah, I do share that concern about the being Ajax old boys coming to United. At least we've had some success with it. I mean, we had Arnold Muren, who was the first Ajax old boy, and he, he was all right. But we're going back even before any of our time, really, for that. Yeah. Um, Kyle, obviously, like one, one of the things that I've been thinking about with Ten Hag is one of the biggest issues for the previous managers not so, like I said, the previous managers, it became a problem which they sort of amplified themselves. But how this squad over time has become a composite of the school of thought of different managers. I mean, you've got obviously Ferguson sensibility, so you don't really have a problem with that. But Van Gaal, who it was a scattergun policy at best, so you've got some odd odd job players in the squad. Then you've got Mourinho's who, let's face it, he was fighting from day one to get the players 
or be handed players, so you're never quite sure which ones are meant to be his. Then you've got Solskjaer's sort of a similar thing, even though I think Solskjaer probably had more of a more of a, a strong say than Mourinho in a, in a strange way over the players that he brought in. But either way, you've still got contrasting philosophies. Van Gaal and Mourinho, even being defensive philosophies, are really different in terms of the way that it's implemented on the pitch. Um, and Solskjaer, we don't really know much about apart from the fact that he wanted to play the United way, which can be a little bit vague when um, being sort of explained in the press. For Ten Hag, is it better in a way that he's come in to the situation that he has when there's been such a turnover of players? Because if he'd have come in with that squad as it was, obviously we saw from Ragnick and maybe Ragnick's lack of top-level experience sort of exacerbated this problem. But having such a, a large number of personalities brought in from different managers, obviously, wasn't a good thing for these different mani- uh, for the different managers before Ten Hag. But he's overseen a turnover now. He's been partly responsible for that. He's basically had the final say on a lot of whether or not these contracts were offered. That there's a story in today's um, somewhere I read that he'd asked Matic to stay, which I wouldn't have been on board with. But if he was involved in the negotiation at that stage. It says that at least he was having some say in it, which is a good thing in terms of control over this squad. Um, what are your thoughts on Ten Hag's first few weeks before we've, again, I've got to stress this, before we've seen the ball kick, so we're all analysing this on on the th- things that we're assuming from what the press have drip-fed drip to us, and obviously the little things that we know from the club that we can we can trust. Yeah, well, I, I have a couple different thoughts, and I feel like everyone's kind of touched on on all of them. Um, so I'll kind of try to organize my thoughts based on that. But um, I, I mean, I think the first thing to stress is not to get carried away with it. Um, I mean, it's very early on. Um, but Wayne, I think you made a good point. I mean, um, it's it's we've had so many managers over the last several seasons and they all kind of had different philosophies and we have players from all these different regimes. And I like, you know, I like the list that that's been leaked. Um, I, I assume that it was United that leaked it. I think they're trying to show, Hey, we're, we're, we're changing. We're moving on. It's a, it's a new regime. Um, but I like, I feel like it's kind of starting over and I feel like they really need that because I, I feel like it's, it's just kind of been a continuation from each manager. And I feel like they just need to scrap everything. Um, Cause I feel like there's still pieces of um, I feel like there's still pieces of Van Hall. I feel like there's still pieces of Mourinho. I feel like there's still pieces of Solskjaer and they need to just get rid of all of that and start over. And I feel like Ten Hag is doing that. And he's saying, this is my system and we're doing things my way. And we're getting rid of everything that existed before, even just little things and making training 9am. You know, we're, we're completely re- redoing everything. So um, I like that. But, yeah, it's impossible to say anything until he's on the pitch. And and I, I like, you know, Harry was saying, you know, he's saying all the right things. But, you know, what manager is going to come in and say, yeah. we're going to park the bus? You know, <laughs> like, he's of course, he's going to say, you know, we're going to play proactive football. But what manager is, you know, you, you want a United manager to say that. And I like that he's saying the right things. But, you know, he's not going to say you know, he's not going to say that we're not going to do that. So, um, but I like, but I, but at the same time, it's, you know, he's, you like to hear him say that it's exciting. It gets you excited. So from a PR standpoint, you know, it's exactly what you want to hear a United manager say. So, you know, good on him. 
Um, and I think if you look at the way that Ajax plays, you know, has played the last couple of seasons, you know, I don't, I, you know, aside from the Champions League, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't, I don't watch the Dutch League a lot, but, you know, I, I've seen them in the Champions League, you know, yeah, they, I mean, I think that that's the way that he does want to play. And if he can get United to play that way, that's great. That's exactly, I think, the way that we want United to play. Is it going to happen the first couple games of the season? No. Is it going to happen the first season? I don't know. We, I think we'll see glimpses of it, but I think it's, you know, with any rebuild, you know, it's going to take a couple of years for him to get all of his players into the, in, in, you know, it's like, you know, we've already seen it. He's been in the job for a couple months and it's, it, it, you know, and we've only got one player in, you know, I know we're going to get to De Jong and I feel like that's like the big signing that he's waiting for. And, and God only knows if we'll still get him in this window, but um, you know, it's going to take time for him to get all of his players in and unload the players that he doesn't want and still figure out which players he does want to keep. Cause there's players in this squad still, you know, we have gotten rid of Pogba. We have gotten rid of, of some of the players that he hasn't wanted to keep, but there's still players that he is going to want to get rid of and replace. And that's not all going to happen this summer. So um, I'm excited with the things he said, but we just aren't going to know until we get further into the season, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, the old saying comes to mind, Rome wasn't built in a day, but you could say Ajax <laughs> wasn't built bought in a transfer window. <laughs> 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 We got a comment, a couple of comments along those lines from Reese. Um, watching tonight, I'm not sure if I'm not the only. I'm not sure if I'm the only one. I don't mind him looking to make his major signings for the squad to be excited managers or players he managed, because it translates to the pitch sooner for him. I just don't want all, all of his signings to be excited. So Dutch league, he's got experience in the Bundesliga. We can recruit from there. Yeah, that it, it, fine. We'll come to transfers in a moment um, on on a broader sense, but we've got to tackle the Ronaldo bomb that's been dropping the last couple of weeks. Um, really extraordinary story, really, because of um, the fact that he's the most high-profile player in the squad. He's the most high-profile player probably in world football. So the fact that it gets to this point in the pre-season where obviously our ambitions for next season are, are no secret for anyone. We know the fact that we're going to be playing in the Europa League. We know that we're not going to be in the Champions League for at least a year. Um, and a lot of the major clubs in Europe have already made the, you know, a lot of big signings. So it's not quite easy to see the point of of why timing of everything coming out the way that it has done with Ronaldo. Ariel, come to you first with this. Obviously, it's a massive story. Very emotive as well. I mean, emotive even for the fact that he was 36 when he returned and for... I mean, I've, I've described it and I still stand by it. I think it was the biggest transfer in football history because of the fact that all of the speculation, all of the news, the, the fact that it happened in a space of hours, Ferguson was involved, all that sort of stuff. It was a, such a blockbuster signing. Yeah. Um, to have pulled off, um, and obviously it hasn't worked out. I mean, he's, he's, he was he's provided some incredible moments, um, and I'm not saying that he hasn't. I'm not entering the debate of whether or not he's been good or bad for the team. It's just not been a great move for everyone because of the fact United have regressed, and he's yeah. been you know there's been criticism. Yeah. Um, where where do you stand on this? Because I mean, I think pretty much everyone is at the moment. Think, thinking or feeling that it's been great to see him back, even those yeah. who don't, there's a lot of people who weren't happy to see him back, but most of the people are like, well, it's been great to see him back, but we 
it's all right if he wants to go. Nobody's really crying about it. Yeah, yeah, so, but I mean, it, it's a difficult one because it is it is Ronaldo, right? Ronaldo is um, it's like a club club legend uh, as such in in everyone's eyes, and I'm sure you know you guys agree. The ones that went to that Newcastle game last season, that was the first time I felt Old Trafford properly bouncing in a in a long time. Um, and I thought, got something here. We finally got something. You know, the performance was great, and I thought the season ahead was going to be brilliant. Um, obviously, didn't turn out to be the case. Um, one thing, though, I'm always for is if a player doesn't want to be part of the club and they want to move on, there's no point in 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 keeping them um, yeah. purely because you're not going to get the best out of them. It's just going to cause bad blood. Uh, and a bad um, atmosphere in the dressing room. Um, so he wants to leave. I think we should let his agent, you know, do the rounds. And if there is a decent offer for him, um, you know, let that take its course. Because otherwise we're just going to have a, a Cristiano Ronaldo in our dressing room that instead of leading our young players and showing them the ropes and, and being an example, it's just going to be a Cristiano Ronaldo that, that's unhappy. Uh, which I don't think is good for all parties, especially on the on the wages he's on. Um, the only frustration is I know he cited family issues and no one actually knows for sure what is going on as to why he's not um, turned up to training and, and gone on the tour. Um, you know, I heard some points from Rio Ferdinand last week who kind of defended him and said, oh, he's the most professional um, athlete I've come across at United. So... If he is citing these family issues, it, it must be the case. Um, I'm not so sure, obviously, with the timing and everything. Um, you know, knowing a few stories in the past of, you know, when his father was really unwell, he literally only missed two days. He asked Ferguson for special permission for that. Um, so now to miss a whole tour, citing family issues, I'm not so sure if those align. Um, so what I would have liked is him to come back be professional at the end of the day it's a job the main man united are paying him wages and just like any other job you turn up um so it's a bit frustrating that he's not come on the tour um simply because it again causes bad blood um it doesn't allow ten hag to have a, a proper conversation with him and sit down and and have a chat potentially sway his mind um because this for me is is pretty much ronaldo's not coming back He's made his decision. He's put a stick in in the in the ground, uh, and that's it for him. Um, so he's basically said, if any club turn around and make a suitable offer for me, I would like to leave. He most probably feels from George Mendes, someone will put that offer in, because I don't think he would be so confident not to turn up and say, listen to these offers if there weren't any arriving shortly. Um, and this kind of actually is just another point on, on not so much Ten Hag's fault, but the whole kind of the circus of, of Man United, I thought was well and truly over last season. It's a bit frustrating to see this come up again. I think I tweeted last week about um, the Maguire thing, right? When Maguire supposedly liked something about his wage reduction. Yeah. Um, I mean, all, all of that's not great to, to have either. It should have been a fresh start. It should have been everyone focusing and being positive going forward. 
And now we have this lingering saga over the club's head of Ronaldo wanting to leave and, you know, what's Maguire doing in the background and why hasn't he turned up for, for pre-season? So it is a bit disappointing. Uh, the one point I did agree with Rio he, on his podcast, he, he was talking, he said, look, Ronaldo's seeing everyone else progress, move forward. He's seeing Haaland and Phillips come to City. He's seeing Liverpool make signings. You know, City, um, sorry, Chelsea are close to signing Sterling. Arsenal have got, you know, uh, Jesus. Like everyone else is going forward. We literally haven't signed anyone. And that's why he's upset because he doesn't recognise Man United anymore. And to be honest, sometimes, you know, even I don't recognise the Man United I know. So... There is two sides to it, but I would have hoped for him to be slightly more professional in his conduct. Yeah, um, Reese, I can understand him wanting to leave. He should have done this sooner, though, instead of a week before the preseason starts. Yeah, absolutely. Jason Ronaldo she needs to show some respect to the club. Turn up and listen to Tenog. Maguire liking a tweet is not worse than a professional not turning up for his job. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. So if, 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 it was a deliberate thing. I think the, the story came out that Maguire didn't mean to do it, but I'm, I'm with Ari on that. I just thought, like, you don't need to do either, really. One, they're not linked. You just don't do it, especially not if you're captain of United, which is a wider point about whether or not they should be on social media anyway. But, I mean, that's um, for another day, and you can't stop the tide on that one. Um, Kyle, um, Ronaldo, what do you think on this one? I mean, very well-spoken um, comments there from Harry and um, where do you stand on that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how to put it any better than than Harry just put it, but uh, yeah, I mean, no, I, it, it, was, it was great to see Ronaldo back last season, but um, I, I mean, the timing's horrible. <laughs> I mean, I think Ronaldo's legacy is very much in the Champions League. I mean, he's, he's a legend when it comes to the Champions League. I think as soon as we weren't, I think as soon as we all knew that we weren't going to be in the Champions League, Champions League next season it seemed pretty obvious to me that he probably didn't want to stay at United yeah. um, I was kind of surprised when it was coming out that he was going to stay I was like oh you know this is nice like I I, I was kind of I, I thought he was gonna try to look away when we did when we were going to be in the Europa League um, so to wait this long right before the season not give United kind of a time you know any time to plan for an alternative to me is just really poor on his part. Um, but I, you know, I, I, it's Ronaldo. Like I'd love for him to stay at the club. I'd love for him to be here next season, but at the same time, I'm like I said, uh, in, in, when we were talking about 10 hog, it's, you know, it's going to take a while for a rebuild and Ronaldo's 37. Now, you know, it, the long-term vision for 10 hog is not going to include, Ronaldo. So if part of that this summer is moving on and uh, rebuilding, I'm okay with that. You know, if, if we need, can get a good offer for Ronaldo and sell him and move on, um, I, you know, it's like I said, I'd love to have Ronaldo. It's Ronaldo. He scored a lot of goals for us last season. I'd love for him to stay, but um if it's, a, if it's a good offer and we can reinvest that money and find a, a good, young, promising striker that can turn into something, I, I can live with that. Um, yeah. It's not going to break my heart as much as it did when he left the first time. But I, I think that's the simple answer. No, yeah, absolutely. You're right with that. Um, Andrew, whether or not he stays or goes, I mean, I think you've 
we probably think the same way. It's probably better if he if he goes. What do you make about all the politics of it? Because I mean, you we've been talking about this. Like the the timing of it is is not great in terms of like the mess that he's put the club in. Uh, regardless of the the validity of whether or not he's away, the timing of it has been an absolute mess with the kit launch and and the tour because he was obviously meant to be the marquee name, especially it's the first tour to go that far for for a few years now because of the fact because of COVID and everything. So the club were really counting on it. Um, what do you think is going to be the best solution um, in in this case? I, th- I think the way he's not gone on the tour to me says that he will probably be leaving. Um, yeah. I think, you know, the, the club, as you mentioned, you know, is a lot of them commercial partners who are involved in different aspects of the tour and the games being put on and selling the tickets and everything what goes with it, the, the guest appearances. And, you know, United is a big, you know, the, the events they've got over in the on the tour just for each of the individual sponsors, which, you know, we've heard previous managers moan about, but that's, that's the way it is at the moment. I think Ronaldo is pretty central to that. Yeah. And it's... It, to me, it's it's quite a big statement to say he's not on that tour. You know, you, you would almost think the club would say, well, why, come on the tour, do what you need to do. We're happy to let you go, sort of thing. Yeah. You know, you can you can, you can go at a minute to midnight on the, on, the, on the transfer window, if that's so be it. But you do, you know, you do what benefits us and, and in long-term benefits Ronaldo as well. You know, Ronaldo's a, a commercial beast himself. He's not, you know, he, he needs... Party does need Manchester United, but he's got his own spin-offs in everything from cryptocurrency to underwear where he needs yeah. to be promoting himself and to different markets as well. So, you know, that that is a big I think it's a big one for the club that he's not gone on on a tour. You know, there's videos, there was I don't know if people have seen it, but there was one filmed on the pitch with Cantona and, and Beckham for the for the kit launch, which hasn't been broadcast or shown anyone really, and it was quite a quite a central video. I'd imagine it probably will go out at some point because it's, at the end of the day, you've got three legends of the club there. You know, Ronaldo's still a, a legend of Manchester United, more so from his previous time and his current one. But I think the, t- the timing has been poor. You know, we've we've known since what, April, probably before that March, that we weren't going to be in the Champions League next season. You know, and, and the other thing that goes with that as well is he, he may have mentioned about standards, but Ronaldo was part of that reason we didn't qualify as well. You know, people always point and say, oh, we're, if he didn't score that goal in the last minute, we wouldn't have gone through. But some of the football where there was aspects of the game where Ronaldo just wasn't involved at all. And, and you were looking at it going, you need to take him off the pitch because he's not involved. However, you need him on the pitch because there's always that chance of him getting that late goal. But I think, you know, he, he brought 20, 30 goals, 24 goals, was it, last season, what, what he got... There might be 30 goals in there from playing a bit a different system than relying on one. You know, do you rely on one player to give you 24 goals, or would you have have three players scoring 10 goals? And I'd take the three players scoring 10 goals every day of the week, you know, because it's it it brings different things to the team. And that's what we've lacked. We've we've relied too much on, you know, you go back to Fergie, you go back to 99. We didn't just have a, a one forward who was scoring 20 goals. We had players from all over the pitch pitching in with him. Yeah. And I think one of the benefits from Ronaldo not going on the tour is he's not as well liked in the camp as quite a lot of people seem to think he is. Not every player likes him. Not all the members of staff like him. His demands, what he asks for sometimes, are maybe a little bit too more extreme. Um, yeah. on that. And, and, and that doesn't do him any favours sometimes. It's, you know, do you really need a gold tap in your bathroom when your silver tap does the same job sort of thing? You know, it's a... 
it's the same aspect of that. And that hasn't gone down with quite a few players. And I think just from this tour alone, him not being there, we might actually end up with a happier camp at the end of the week or the end of the two weeks than we would have done if he actually travelled out with the team. And I think that could be the big major plus point going forward rather than having a player there who doesn't want to be there at the end of the day. Yeah. No, you're right. And you know, it's, it's interesting that you've mentioned that because of that, that philosophy is like a... I mean, it's the Ruud van Nistelrooy one, right, where he was sold and it freed this liberation, basically, for Ronaldo and Rooney. And I I would agree with that. The theory of it is great. Um, if only Rashford's form hadn't nosedipped so dr- dramatically. And the actual the f- theory of it is 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 one that I'm completely on board with. And, and maybe that that's the biggest benefit of him coming back is that him going might liberate a few players. Um, and, like, you know, maybe even... It, it, you never know. Stranger things have happened. It could well be a catalyst for Rashford to step up and be that main man and get his confidence back. Um, if he's getting that run, um, because he's definitely got the, the potential. I mean, when around the time when he scored that free kick against um Chelsea, he was on such an upwards trajectory that I'm thinking this is Ronaldo level form that we saw, saw at the start of when he upturned. Um, well, we can't close out the podcast without talking about Frankie de Jong and, and the other summer signings. Andrew, I'll come to you first on this. De Jong, um, obviously, it's gone on for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. As far as I'm aware, it seems that the club were quite content for that to happen because they knew that Barcelona's financial situation was going to come to a push or shove. I think the thing that they weren't prepared for was Chelsea's apparent interest. And I don't think that they were fully aware of De Jong's contractual situation where he's obviously owed a lot of money um, from, from Barcelona. Now, I, I don't necessarily blame the club. I know a lot of people are going to come out and criticise the club and say that they played drag on, especially if Chelsea can steal a march in there. But I think that they were confident pretty much early on, even when the, the noises were that De Jong didn't want to come. I think they were still confident that he did want to come and that he would come. But I don't think that they were prepared for this contract nonsense to drag on as much as it is, because they thought Barcelona would just buckle at some point and come with a better compromise for the player. And obviously they weren't prepared for the, the Chelsea thing because they just thought with Ten Hag they had a clear run at him. Um, obviously, where they are with De Jong, because it's a major committee, it's going to be the biggest summer signing if it did happen. Um, that's the major financial outlay. So that's impacted all the other summer signings. A lot of people are getting stressed out about it, um, a lot more than what you or I are. But because we're now in July, because the club are now on pre-season, do you have any little um, concern about the way that this has gone along? Do you think that the club maybe maybe Ten Hag's put all his eggs on, on one basket and then maybe it comes back to that theory that he's, he's scouting range, he's been too intensive on the Ajax players, so he hasn't sort of considered a plan B, a plan C? No, I, I think he does have a plan C or a plan B at least anyway on that. And I, and I think from, from what I'm led to believe from sort of what you pick up off some well-sourced journalists and stuff like that is he's actually put a bit of consideration into the transfer. It's it's not a case of signing three yeah. players for the sake of signing three players. It's signing three players who he believes will work together as three players. And I think that changes the whole aspect of it as well. It, if he doesn't get transfer A, which makes B and C work, 
he then goes to transfer D, which makes E and F work on it, if you, yeah. if you get what I mean on that. And I think it cannot completely alter. And I think it's not just the Jong. You're looking at the Martinez situation on there, who they're likely to bring in as well. You're looking at possibly on um, Anthony from um, Ajax as well on that one. But I think there's got to be something quite concrete in it because, you know, I think you've got to have an, indica- an indication from a player that they're interested. You yeah. know, I mean, the, the, the talk is all... You know, it changes daily and it's Jong's no longer wants to come to Manchester United. I don't think that's the case. If it if he was no longer interested in coming to Manchester United, we would have given up on that months ago. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and the way transfers are done now, you always get the you tend to get the players' interest before you get the club's interest. You know, it's longer the days gone where you've got Fergie on the phone and he just randomly asks for Cantona when somebody's wrong you about Irwin. Then that doesn't happen anymore. It's it's all a structured approach. And the first approach goes out to the agent. It goes to the player. Would you be interested in Manchester United? What wages are you going to be giving me? What opportunities have you got there? So I think it is, you know, it's quite it's quite a structured. And the position we're in with Ten Hag is he's only been in the job two months or he's been announced for two months. He might have had another month prior to that working out what he wanted to do from, from when he'd been interviewed. It's completely different than Liverpool or City. You know that they've got long-term managers in place. They've got structures. You just need to top up the team each year. It's it's one player in or two players in, two out. Almost what City have done with um, bringing Harland in and um, they brought the guy in from from Leeds. And you've got Jesus and um, Sterling. Sterling now left on that. That that's that's where we need to get to. Where it's selling yeah. players for players who give you good service but have still got a valuable asset to be sold, but bringing in somebody who offers something different and a bit more. And I think with De Jong, it, it's almost like it's a merry-go-round at the moment. You, Barcelona supposedly got no money. They can't play players. They, they signed players last year and and then the day they turned up at the club, they were telling them they needed to reduce the wages after they'd already agreed a deal. And I think you're just waiting now for De Jong to go to maybe fund them by in Rafinha and then that may lead to um, Lewandowski possibly going over to Barcelona, which might see Ronaldo going to to, to Bayern Munich. There, there's quite a bit of a merry-go-round, and it usually takes one thing just to kick that off. And I think the danger with De Jong is, is you'll look back to it where we were when Moyes come in, and, and we spent the summer chasing Fabregas on that, and, and we ended up with nothing. We, we didn't get him, and you know Woodward was telling everybody, "Yeah, we're going to get him. We're going to sign him. I'm confident he's going to be here next week." And nothing happened with that. We're not getting that from United. United aren't telling people he's coming, but there is briefings to say that you know offers have gone in and offers have yeah. been accepted on certain things. So you know, it's to me, it's nice for him to be. You know, we got him on the tour. And he done a week of the tour. It's nice, but the key one for me is: is he there when we when we kick off the Premier League season, or is he there when we, you know, when the transfer window shuts? Really, and it you, if it drags on to the point it's a minute to midnight and we're left with nothing. Then the window's a complete disaster. Yeah, yeah. Kyle, um, what what do you make of United's transfer activity? Malasia is in, um, definitely a left back that we need. I mean, a lot of people already you get a shiny new signing, and he's already Roberto Carlos. Um, <laughs> so we have to hope that people will be patient with him because you know he'll make mistakes, um, and he's only a young lad as well. Um, obviously, the young is uh, the major um, headline in terms of the one that we've gone after after for the longest. Um, but yes, still only one name in, um, and we are in near mid-July now. Um, do you have any concerns about it, do you think? I mean, we talked earlier about the heavily 
influence uh, influenced Ajax philosophy of um, these players. But you know, Andrew's quite right. You know, there probably is going to be a Plan C, Plan B, these kind of uh, things. It just seemed to be a more well, we said this before <laughs> the windows closed, so maybe not giving too much praise on the transfer activity because we don't really know. Um, do you have any concern over how long it's taken? Do you think it's part of the process? Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, you got to be concerned at this point. I mean, it is already July. I mean, there's only one signing in, and I mean, I, th- I think at this point you have to consider that he is a you know he's he's going to be the backup to Luke Shaw at least at the beginning. I think. Um, you know, I think Shaw's position is probably not guaranteed, so that could change. But um, I, I do think that this is probably the end of Tellas, which I don't think is any travesty by any means. So, um, but um, I do think going back to uh, the point about whether or not De Jong even want to come, even wants to come, it did. I think I read him and Malassia have the same agent, right? Or it, it, maybe that's something I read on Twitter. I mean, you would think that when you sign Malassi, you could just say, hey, does, is De Jong interested in coming? Like, maybe we can just end these negotiations if he's not. Like, that, that just, it seems like you would just have that quick conversation, you know, while you're there. So, um, you know, I would hope that United know whether or not that's it's a it's a dead end or not, and, and we're not wasting time. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it, it's concerning. I mean, I feel like Erickson is on the way. I mean, so that one, I think, is going to be a very good signing. Um, and I mean, that, that, that one has got to be, is that the longest ever like free agent signing ever? <laughs> like, that, like, I feel like, like, like how is the medical not set up yet? Like he could have been on the tour. Like, like I, like I, I keep waiting for an update on that. And like the fact that there hasn't been an update, I'm like, what, what's going on with that? Like we heard over a week ago that he was signing and then like, there's been nothing since, I, I mean, I'm sure, you know, maybe, maybe there's things going on in his personal life, but, um, uh, but but I'm waiting for that one. I think that's really interesting. I, I mean, I think the main one that we're all thinking about is Frankie. Um, and and I, I I think I can confidently say after we're done with this, I I really would like to not deal with Barcelona, um, at least for the foreseeable future on any transfer deals. Whatever's going on over there, it's an absolute mess. Uh, and I would just like to to stay far away from their orbit as long as, as, as humanly possible. Um, I don't know what's going on in terms of them not being able to pay him what he's due um, them coming out with all of their statements. He's not for sale, but negotiating with us all of, I mean, they are just, you know, they're just a nightmare to deal with. It's not, it's not enjoyable. Every, every day there's a new, he's coming, he's not coming. There's a fee agreed. There's not a fee agreed. The there is a base fee agreed. The add-ons are still being debated. He's you know, uh, he'll stay. He'll take the reduced salary. No, he won't take the reduced salary. They'll pay him three million of what the seventeen million that he's oh I, I don't know what's going on over there. But at the same time, they're signing new players. They're in talks to you know get two players from Chelsea. They might sell people to Chelsea. Like you know, they, they, now they're offering him to Chelsea too. You know, it, it's. Yeah. Aaron, you know, for as, as much as we talk about United and how they're run as a club, Barcelona, whew, I, I just get 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 Frankie signed because I think he is absolutely critical to, to Ten Hag's plans. If we don't get him, it, 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 I think it's an absolute nightmare transfer window for us. If, if we do not sign him, I mean, it is a nightmare because I think Ten Hag has built his entire plans around him 
and I think he's critical to get in. But once we're done with him, stay the hell away from Barcelona. <laughs> that that's that's my summary of this transfer window. Is I am ready to see the 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 back end of Barcelona and just not have to deal with them anymore. Because every time I log onto Twitter, it's just a nightmare having to deal with them and read about all of the transfer going ons with them. So yeah, yeah. Um... To be fair, the, the stories are that they won't be around anyway. So, <laughs> you know, about two or three years. But, Ari, it's a good point what, what Kyle makes. Um, obviously, you'll have your own thoughts on the summer signings. But I am interested to know, like, Barcelona are basically in the mess that they're in because they've basically adopted the kind of transfer strategy that everyone on Twitter wants United to adopt when yeah. they financially afford it. They, yeah. they, can't, they can't deal with this kind of thing. They, if they're... Tr- tried to do it, they would have ended up in the same position as Barcelona, where they're, you know, basically having to pay players off to leave um, for less than what they bought them for. Yeah. Um, and and even then scrabbling around to, to getting free transfers off. I mean, Depay and Aubameyang are players that you just wouldn't have thought Barcelona would go in for many years ago. Yeah. Um, it's a, a case of careful what you wish for in terms of United concerns, like a cautionary tale with Barcelona, but um, nonetheless, it doesn't make our transfer window any better. I mean, the fact one plus thing, people keep forgetting this, but I think it's an important thing, is that we have let a lot of players go who should have gone. So that yeah. might the, the composition of the squad, but that's been very rose-tinted, considering we haven't brought in any, anyone, and we basically we need to do that to improve to get into the Champions League. Uh, how concerned are you by the transfer activity at this point? Yeah, yeah. Well, spot on. First of all, on the Barcelona point, I don't know how one Laporta and his team get a wink of sleep every night. Well, I don't know if they have a have a club or a team. They, they what, what's day. the what's the Spanish for less than a club? But from our perspective, yeah, it is a little bit, you know, frustrating in that, you know. I was slightly more optimistic, this transfer window, getting a new structure, not only with the manager, but also with the hierarchy, Woodward going out, um, Murtock and Arnold coming in. I thought maybe we'll, we'll you know, kind of get players in quicker um, than we have in previous windows. Um, the Frankie Dion kind of tell, of being 100% honest, I have no idea what's going on there. It's, I feel it's kind of tough to read. Obviously, you know, like all of you guys, I'm always on the socials, etc. And I always get a feeling if a player does really want to go and really want to make it happen, there's more and more little stories that come through on the socials and it kind of builds and builds and builds and, and eventually the transfer takes place. <clears throat> to be honest, I'm not seeing too much of that with De Jong. And there seems to be a lot of, of mixed stories coming out as to some days he wants to... He wants to leave. Other days he doesn't. Um, one day it's essential for him to go and play for us. The next day he wants to stay. So that's just slightly concerning. And, and I'm with Kyle on this. I mean, if we don't get him, um, you know, I hope Eric uh, Ten Hag's got another option out there because that position is essential for us to fill, um, to build a team around and move forward because it's been a, a massive weakness. And I don't think we can survive another season of McFred, um, to be quite frank. You know, we need options in that area. Um, so, again, bit bit frustrated with him. And to, like I said, to be quite frank, what, if he's going to come or not, I've, I've no clue. 
Um, and if anyone does, you know, they, they must have a, a, a little magic ball or something that they're looking into because I don't think anyone knows what's happening with that transfer. Um, the other ones which have come in, obviously, we've got the left back. Again, you know, I haven't even bothered to log into YouTube yet to see his highlights because um, they always, you know, show players in a better light than what they actually are. I just thought I'll wait and obviously that haven't didn't really hear of him since um, before the summer. So let's see how he pans out. Ericsson looks likely um, from you know all the all the kind of media outlets. Um, so that should be a good plus. I think they just needed to do some extra medical tests, obviously, given what happened with him last year. Again, in those kind of positions, we need a bit of uh, a bit of you know competition, and it'll be good to see how he can slot in there with Bruno. Again, I'm not too sure if those two can play together week in week out, or if you know it's it's one or the other. Um, are they too similar? But, but one thing, you know, for a fact is that Ericsson is a fantastic football player. You know, let's not you know, make any doubt about that. He's incredibly skillful. Um, obviously, you know, uh, I get taunted all the time about living in London uh, and being a United fan. Um, but actually, my parents live just down the road from Brentford's ground. So when I'm not up at Old Trafford, um, I go and I watched a few games last season. I saw his debut um, and just how he turned that team around was absolutely incredible. I think he almost unlocked them. And I think if it wasn't for him, Brentford could have well you know, been relegated last season um, because he just got the best out of all the players around him. So, you know, he'll be a great signing. But yeah, we, we are lacking. And I think like, you know, the point I made earlier that Rio mentioned, it does make it harder when City are signing Harland and Calvin Phillips and those deals seem to be going through really quickly and you know and there's no no City fans are in pain at the moment with the people coming in you know neither um, fans of Chelsea or Arsenal who are kind of in a similar position to us yet they seem to be signing players um, pretty easily as well so I do hope something happens soon especially with the Diong deal I think it's got to a point where they need to make a call, either yes or no, because we can't, you know, leave it like the previous transfer windows, you know, like Andrew mentioned, when Moyes wanted Fabregas and we got no one in the end, where we can't afford that to happen. You know, we talked about um, Ten Hag hitting the reset button when it comes to culture. Um, I think in order for him to do that, he also needs some players behind him. Um, unfortunately, the truth of the matter is we're not as an attractive football club as we were a few years ago. And I think that is also telling in the transfer market something, you know, which I guess we can talk about another day. It's tougher to get these signings through. Um, but yeah, tad disappointed, I must say. A little bit, little bit shy, I think, of where we need to be in terms of getting some players over the line. Yeah. Um, no, I tend to agree with that. And I think it's a difficult um, first window for everyone to be involved in. And I think there are a lot of fans who will be sympathetic to that because it's the first one. And, and like, you know, obviously Barcelona are very difficult to deal with. At the same time, even if it's been different members of staff, it's still been the club and yeah. the club's still going to be viewed in the same and light. Just, and just another quick point, Wayne. I mean, from a football perspective, 
it's so important for Ten Hag to actually play with these players. There's no yeah. point in them coming in, you know, on the last day of the transfer window. He spent the whole of pre-season with one set of players. And then, you know, these transfers don't work out and we end up with you know, two, three players he didn't really want anyway. And how is he going to fit those into the squad? You know, it just it has a obviously a tr- trickling effect onto how he's going to set up the team. You know, yeah. We, well, we saw that with Mourinho and Solskjaer on two windows that we can remember in in recent past. And yeah, I think yeah, well, the point that I was trying to make was about um, the fact that because United historically over the last ten years they've got so many things wrong in the transfer window that even if you've got Tenag and Murta working around the clock of these and even if there's going to be a lot of sympathy at the end of the day if they don't get the deals done it's going to look like a continuation of United failing in the transfer market so they've got to make a big statement um, right that's it for this episode thanks guys for um, your first appearances on the podcast really enjoyed that um, really good um, conversation Harry will be more across the general podcast that we do um, Kyle and Andrew, you can expect to find them on our Sunday evening shows in the future uh, with the United legend who will be joining us in, in the next few weeks as well to um, to go over the events of the weekends as they, as they occur. And obviously, Andrew will be keeping us involved in the updated on the supporter team's results as well, <laughs> which we, we might end up supporting <laughs> if things continue to go so badly for the first team. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's it for this um, episode. If you've enjoyed watching, give us a like or subscribe on, on YouTube. Really appreciate that. Leave some comments in the comment section and obviously subscribe on the audio platform if you're listening back on that and give us a review of the listening um, on the platform you're listening on. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, guys. And we will we'll be back very soon. Thank you. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.